Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another sunny yet empty day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Mark Tropich, founder and managing director of RipTech. Mark, hello. Hey, morning, Matthew. Nice, nice to uh, be here to talk to you. Morning. Thank you for coming on the program. Now, um, before we get into our conversation on leadership, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't address the current COVID-19 uh, situation. Uh, how has that affected your business? Um, to be honest, not at all. Um, if anything, I mean, as a business, we're actually expanding at the moment. We've got clients expanding, so that side's fine. In terms of our staff, we, we ended up being a remote company about three years ago by accident. So um, all of all of our staff, all of our directors have all been remote um, for for a good a good many years. Um, so that part of it hasn't hasn't affected us, but we do recognise that it's a different form of flexible or remote working where obviously you've got people, more people in the household. Um, you know, we respect that that staff can't do everything all the time because they've got other other issues and other commitments within the household that they wouldn't otherwise have had. Um, and we've had a couple of issues as well with illnesses and you know, potential COVID virus um, <clears throat> staff illness. So we've had to, mm. you know, we've had to address that and just, just be aware of that. Well, uh, I'd like to uh, address something. It really piqued my interest. How does one start a remote company by accident? Well, um, we had we had quite a few staff that were already remote, um, so we're, we're, we're effectively an international company. Um, we had an office um, which was was packed with technical staff, um, and one by one, those staff came to me and said, "Mark, do you mind if I move? Do you mind if I move to another country, or do you mind if I move to another city?" Mm-hmm. Or, and it, it ended up about about eighteen months ago, where I was in this um, quite expansive office. All on my own, um, and because we had we had no objections to staff moving, and it, and it was for various reasons. I mean, one member of staff, uh, his, his wife didn't like where they were living and, and wanted to move country. Um, that was yeah, for us. It was absolutely fine. So it was so, all by accident in that we didn't set out to be a remote company, but we've ended up being one. So it was a it, kind of a natural evolution, uh, as it were. Correct. Do you yeah, believe yeah. that because and, and, of the current situation that more companies will go down this 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 route of uh, permanent uh, you know, adoption of these remote working strategies? Uh, absolutely. Um, when I was talking to one client uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and he was he was effectively saying, uh, with with modern communications and the way things have been going recently, he's now looking at you know. Uh, losing his eighty thousand pound a year office rental um, because what he's found is staff are working well, um, they're, they're able to meet their KPIs, and um, you know I think I think yeah there's going to be some big changes. I, I, conversely, I'm hearing a lot of people when I talk to them they're, they're also saying they miss the office. You know they miss the the, the chat around the cooler um, aspect um, and they miss their their colleagues. Um, so I think it, it, it depends on the individuals, but definitely there will be a change. Um, I think, you know, nine to five, Monday to Friday, 
is deemed not necessarily more, but maybe you know two or three times a week into an office space or, in, or into an environment where everybody can meet up and, and chat and, and you know, keep that ambience going. Now, uh, why don't we talk a bit about what Riptech does? So we're a challenger telco. Um, so effectively, we, we've developed a, a system whereby you can communicate using the mobile phones instead of VoIP desk phones um, and all the, all the VoIP aspects. So we're, we're very, very different in terms of what's currently out there in the marketplace. Um, and um, I think a you know, benefit of that was when COVID-19 actually hit and, and companies were uh, looking to move all of their staff uh, remotely and, and, and obviously working from home, um, there was no effect, no impact on our clients um, in terms, because effectively they've all, already been working from mobile phones. There was no impact on having to set up infrastructure from home. Um, they just carried on um, as mm-hmm. normal. Um, and in fact, we've actually seen an increase in, in business. Um, and in fact, a lot of our clients are inc- have increased their, their telephony, their conversations. So from our point of view, you know, our product's been, been great. Um, we love what we're doing. We we enjoy what we're doing, and we're excited about the future. What does the word leader mean to you? Well, that's a uh, that's a huge question. Um, I, <laughs> I think it means different things. I think it means different things at different times and in different um, arenas. Um, so, where we look at a leader, as in a, a war situation, you know, can that leader transpose into a, a peacetime situation? Quite often, not. Um, so, you know, we often think of a leader as the person out front on the on the charger, leading the troops or leading, you know, the, the employees in, into a certain direction. Um, it, I think it just means different things to different people at different times. Um, so, you know, we've got lots of uh, examples of. Of people we we believe are leaders and, and think of you know been great leaders. It, it, it's an interesting subject in that you know for every for every leader that's respected, there's also those within the organisation or behind that disrespect them as well, um, or don't think they were that great. So it, 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 I think it means different things to different people. It, it's it, it's different aspects and different scenarios. It's a, it's a huge subject. We could be here all day talking about leadership. I think. How would you describe your personal leadership style? Changeable. Um, Wasn't that necessary in in modern leadership? You can't just stick to one format. No, I I don't believe so. I I think um, I think what I've learned is that every single person, every single employee, every single person you come across is different, Um, and the way you 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 handle those people handle is probably the wrong word. But um, the way you address those people, look after those people, is, is different. And, and I, you know, I've seen many aspects where, um, you know, a person in a, in a position, maybe not hankering for promotion, maybe the money's not important, uh, just um, just a bit of gratitude every now and again. There are some people that work who are quite happy to come in and and and, and meet their targets for that day. They don't want to to progress. Um, in fact, that frightens them. So I, I think. You, you have to be very, very tolerant uh, of people. You have to understand each individual. And, and that can be difficult, especially at the larger the organization, obviously. Um, but, um, yeah, they're very, very changeable. And, and I think changing times as well, changing technologies. Um, we're, we're in a very, very fast-paced 
um, time of our lives, not just in business, but in, in personal lives as well. So I think we have to respect that uh, and be accommodating um, and, and reflect those changes. Do you believe um, that you need to have a very specific sort of leadership uh, to lead remotely as you do? How do you keep your workforce motivated when you can't see them face-to-face? Yeah, motivation is a difficult one. I mean, I, I, try, I try always to, uh, to bring on people that are, that are effectively self-motivated. Um, I, I don't believe I'm the greatest motivator on the planet. Um, it, it, it is a very, very difficult one. I think, you know, the, the last employee we, we took on, I said, look, I'm, I'm not here to mollycuddle you. Um, you know, I need people that um, can, can stand on their own two feet, can think on, you know, think uh, on themselves, can pivot, can understand where they're where they're trying to drive themselves. Um, but I'm always here. You know, my door is always open. Um, me personally, um, I, I, I work 24/7, so in fact, my days are, are filled with work. So I can't be there all the time for for the troops. Let's say. Um, you know, there come a time definitely where, you know, I will be looking to bring in more senior management into our company that can actually do those jobs better because I, I don't believe I'm the greatest motivator. I don't believe I'm the greatest leader. Um, so certainly, you know, I've always said it, there'll be a time when we bring in a new CEO and uh, CFO. We've actually just brought in a great CIO, really delighted with him. Um, and, you know, it's those, I, I know there are people better at that job than, than myself. So um, it's about bringing the right people in at the right time. Now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for RipTech? Oh, huge things. So we set out at the beginning of the year um, to really just carry on driving driving our business uh, forward, gathering more clients. And, and we've, we've hit every KPI so far, and, and we haven't stopped. Um, I think the the COVID nineteen is I won't call it a blessing for us, but it's certainly you know we've got a product that helps um, clients and customers. So we're actually um, we're actually launching next week um, some things that we hope will help people um, you know as a as a freebie. Um, so we hope that that will help us put ourselves on the map because that's really all we need now. And I think once we're on the map, um, you know people know Riptech and know our product Connects Hub then things will start to get easier for us um, as a company. The, the product's great. Um, it works beautifully. So we're on track. Um, we're looking at the last part of this year to start acquiring uh, more companies, about, uh, acquiring their client base. Um, and we're on track to do that. So, yeah, everything, everything's looking good for us as a company. Well, I'm very pleased to hear that, and I very much hope that you can come back on the show, Mark, when everything has calmed down out there a bit. Uh, Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you. Likewise, Matthew. I'd love to come back as well. Thank you. That was Mark Trowbridge, founder and managing director of RipTech. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar 
um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't. And, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, had one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, yeah. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where. Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course uh, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at. West Ham uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with the, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player and some, as far as Martin's concerned I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was in terms of inspiring confidence I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me I guess would be the captain Bob Moore although he was only uh, about eight months older than me he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, uh, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a 
many of the car dealerships. You could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, or at West Ham, your uh, plane came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, 
only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash just shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that, that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, just had a, look, had a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Lines, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you got time? I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honour. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. 
And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, that you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, me laugh that if you could put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you were a young man when obviously this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. 
And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, in a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently, since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they. Uh, Ron Green was yeah the answer is straightforward answer is yes um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at that, so many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I've been going back to an earlier, earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially. And that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on with, all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the... Um, uh, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those cat, those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. You- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. Showed. The word is the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly. Uh, if looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-minded, uh, 
single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.